Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Struggle Creates Strength. Struggle Creates Strength is a mental health platform exemplifying that everyone has a story. I always say that no two stories are the same, but every story has the potential to help someone else. On today's episode, we are joined by 38-year-old Kevin Rempel. Back in 2006, Kevin Rempel was in a freestyle motocross crash, which left him as an incomplete paraplegic. Since then, he has defined the odds, and he has since won a bronze medal at the Sochi Paralympics back in 2014. He is now a keynote speaker and teaching people the art of being resilient, and more so, he is now on his two feet walking again. He's defined all odds, and he has continued to be an inspiration for us all, and his story is something that will take you by surprise. Also, this podcast is sponsored by Raincoast Clothing. Raincoast Clothing is a clothing company based out of Vancouver Island, Canada. They represent nature by embracing adventure, spontaneity, and health, both physical and mental. They have recently decided to join my mental health movement and donate 5% of profits from every item of clothing towards mental health awareness. Also, we have collaborated and created a Struggle Create Strength t-shirt, which has 100% of profits going towards mental health awareness. Go to raincoastclothing.com and help support mental health while getting yourself some great clothes. Now, I hope you enjoy Kevin's story, and just remember that everyone has a story. Hey, brother, how's it going? Good, how are you? Rocking and rolling, man. Awesome. I, one, first and foremost, just want to say thanks so much for kind of finding the time to, to do this and just obviously being kind of willing enough to share your story on my platform. It's, it's always nice having new people, but especially someone with so many experiences yourself and such, such a unique story and such an amazing story. It's, it's unbelievable. And I can't thank you enough. Yeah, no problem. No problem, man. And uh, happy to share the love, share the story and uh, spend some time with you. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yeah, I remember it was back in December. I remember I was in Stratford, Ontario with one of my friends and I was sitting there and he ended up showing me your book and he told me a little bit about you. And I instantly said, I was like, if I can get him on my podcast, that would be the coolest thing. And I just remember reaching out to you then and Obviously, we've had a couple of little conversations uh, between then and now. And um, so I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. But like I said, you just you have such an amazing story and one that I think can benefit a lot of people. And yeah, I, again, thank you. Yeah, man. All good, man. Stoked to be here. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so honestly, I could go on and on about how grateful I am to have you on and everything. But I think the most important thing in this and with this is just to actually have you kind of share your story with everyone and give everyone kind of an insight on how it obviously affected you mentally and personally and just kind of how it got you from where you were one like once upon a time to where you actually are now and what you're kind of doing with that. Sure so for listeners who aren't familiar with myself my the backstory really about uh kind of how I got connected here with you, Lucas. Um, the short story is that I'm a retired Paralympian in sledge hockey. That's what uh, people know me most for today, or that's where, that's what I'm most notable for, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, I competed in the uh, 2014 Paralympics in Sochi, Russia. Um, if you've never seen sledge hockey before, it's where you play hockey sitting down, you pull yourself around the ice using your arms and it's specifically for people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. So if you were to see me 
day to day, I'm walking. And the first question most people would then have is like, well, why are you, <laughs> why are you walking if you were in the Paralympics? And the backstory to that is that when I was 23, I'm 38 years old now. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was 23, I was riding my dirt bike. Uh, freestyle motocross was my passion. And long story short, um, started a company to put on shows. And on my second show, I crashed. Um, ended up breaking my back pelvis ribs. I was instantly paralyzed and became an incomplete paraplegic. So um, fortunately, I didn't fracture, I didn't uh, sever my spinal cord. I fractured, dislocated my vertebrae. Uh, surgery realigned it and with a little bit of luck and a lot of hard work got back on my feet hmm. the kicker to my story is that my dad was also paralyzed four years before I was uh, we were out deer hunting building a tree stand when the branch broke and my dad fell two stories to the ground breaking his back um, a few years from retirement um, when I was 19 years old and so when, within a four-year window, my mom had both her husband and son, both in wheelchairs at the exact same time with spinal cord injuries. That is insane. So, I, um, I, sorry to cut you <laughs> off. I just, I couldn't imagine like being in her shoes and having all of that happening in such a short period of time. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, like when it happened, it was absolutely like incredibly bizarre because yeah, it's like winning a lottery. It's like, what are the odds? Like, mm -hmm. you think it, you know, it could, but you're like, that's not likely going to happen. And then when it did, it was just insane. Mm -hmm. So, uh, dad and I took very different paths. Um, I learned a lot of lessons from my dad, seeing about how I didn't want to be. Mm -hmm. um, again, long story short, because I don't, I want to, spend more time to kind of working on Q and A and mm -hmm. however we can, but, uh, basically, um, my dad struggled to live with his, with his disability. He was never able to walk again. He was a complete paraplegic where I was incomplete. So I was the main difference where I had a chance to get better. Mm -hmm. And, uh, dad became very negative, cynical, depressed, um, had a terrible time. Mom ended up leaving my dad five years after his accident not because of the disability, but because of his attitude. Mm -hmm. And seven weeks after my mom left, my dad took his own life. Oh. And so that was of course, extremely difficult. Uh, the year after I felt like doing the same, never tried anything, but hit a, an extremely low point. Mm -hmm. I was suicidal. I speak openly about it. Mm -hmm. um, Pulled up my socks, got myself back together, discovered sledge hockey, made Team Canada. That brings it full circle to the Paralympics. Mm -hmm. And uh, then retired from sport and then went through post-Olympic depression. Uh, we've, we hear about it, wonder if it's real. It's absolutely real. I went through it, um, felt suicidal again. And uh, again, I had to pull myself out of it. Built a team building program post-sport called the Sledge Hockey Experience. Mm -hmm. And then COVID shut that down. And uh, today now shifted into spending most of my time, well, not most, all of my time speaking. I've been doing keynotes for over 10 years on the hero mindset, uh, which we can elaborate on. But uh, to kind of tie the story full circle of everything I've just shared is that uh, today I've taken all the life lessons I've learned from 
my dad being paralyzed, from myself being paralyzed, from making Team Canada, excelling in sport, transitioning, retiring from sport through identity loss, depression, suicidal thoughts, and high, and then also reaching um, levels of high performance, peak performance, and becoming one of the world's best. Mm-hmm. And I've assembled it in a program called the Resilience Toolbox. And the Resilience Toolbox is a collection of the tools and strategies that I've lived to now actually not just inspire others through my story, but teach the how, teach the steps to develop your own mental resilience and your resilient mindset and to become what I like to say, a hero in our own movie. So that's the full story. That's that's literally like trying to tighten it up without skipping anything, without having like, people be like what the fuck did you just say (laughs) no for sure yeah no and that's I mean that's obviously insane and I mean I've the last little while I've been watching a lot of different documentaries that you've done and just different um like you said like keynote speakings that you've you've done and it's it always blows me away like just the things that you say and the different ways that you kind of have looked at life and the way that you've overcome some of your battles and I mean, that's a big thing that I always talk about on my podcast is how you can overcome some of those battles and how life will, life will not always be the nicest to you. It'll throw you some, some crazy curveballs. but if you kind of possess the right tools to shift your mindset, or even if you just can find it within yourself to pick yourself up and like you said, put on, like pull up your socks and get to work and get moving forward. And for me, one of the biggest questions that I kind of have is um, for your like your personality say beforehand and then after like you talked about how you'd get the post-olympic kind of depression and you would get down after and even like especially after you were paralyzed um, how did your personality kind of change like were you always a person that was a big go-getter always always kind of looking to better yourself even before your accident and kind of how did everything shift from a personality standpoint? Well, you know, as your podcast is titled struggle creates strength, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the biggest lessons for everyone to see and learn in their struggles. Everything amazing in my life to this day that I still continue to experience on a daily basis comes from the struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, my personality about having drive and motivation prior to shit really hitting the fan in my life was not the same. I did have drive. I did desire to be, you know, an athlete, um, before I broke my back, like that came from, you know, as early as 12 years old, I, I wanted to be a great athlete. I, I wanted to pursue my dreams and stuff, but when COVID happened as an example, as a speaker, I, the calls started to really come in. Kevin, we'd love for have you to come speak and teach us about resilience. Mm-hmm. And when COVID happened, everyone, the, the common conversation, the common topic is how do, you know, like, how do we be resilient? You know, how can we um, grow in resilience as this pandemic has been happening? And the, And the lesson to learn is that resilience is not something that you, just in my opinion are born with or can just suddenly achieve it's developed through struggle Mm -hmm. strength sorry um struggle creates strength just as as 
you're here to share with everyone. And so when we think about, do we have the drive in our life to achieve things like Kevin has? Was, was I born with it? You know, where did it come from? I can really look back on all of the adversity that I faced and that that is where my resilience was developed. That is where the new opportunities are created. That is where we get to, like I say, become a hero in our own movie as we start to ask ourselves, you know, when adversity strikes, um, what is the lesson? You know, um, what can I learn from this? And how can I use this? Are simple questions to really turn adversity into our strength. Mm -hmm. And so I had drive. I am confident I would have done well without all the adversity, but without question, I'm confident that so much of the drive that I have today and the strength comes from constantly being knocked down and then choosing to pick ourselves back up. And the more we do that, the more strength and courage and resilience we develop to then go and take on bigger challenges. And then we approach life with a mindset that this is just going to become a larger snowball, the more challenges I choose to continue to face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And even um, like for yourself, when you said that, obviously you did like, you're very open about how you kind of fell into a couple deep depressions when that actually happened, how, like, what was that? What was kind of that flick of the switch where you said, I need to kind of do this for myself. I need to pick myself up and find a way to move forward. Like, how did you, cause I know there's a lot of people that even for myself, when I, like I'm the same way, very open about my um, depression and basically my whole entire past. And for myself, it was kind of like the same thing where I acknowledged that I was very depressed and needed a change. And it was a lot, of, definitely like a lot to figure out for myself, but I'm curious, and I'm sure a lot of other people will be curious, how did you actually figure out that this is what you need to do? You need to basically, like you said, pull up your socks and move forward, but more so like, how did you actually do it and find it within yourself? Like what was the biggest thing that drew you kind of out of that depression or at least allowed you to find kind of yourself again? Yeah. So, you know, the two main uh, scenarios that I would share are, like I say, when I was suicidal after my dad, the year, like the year following my dad passing away. And when I felt suicidal post-Olympics mm -hmm. and in both scenarios, I did the exact same thing. And at the time I didn't know what to call it, but I'll share with you the examples and the tool that I like to reference. Mm -hmm. So when dad passed away, I'm going to go again, long story short. So dad passes away at that time. It didn't affect me. And I just continued on with life. Um, the year later I found myself, catching up with a friend from rehab and he had Percocets and I was still dealing with back pain. So I took perks and within like two weeks, I found myself functioning normally, like well, given my circumstances to, you know, not eating, drinking a lot, not going to class at school. I was going to college 
skipping class, skipping class, sleeping in, staying up late. And I was just in a terrible downward spiral. And I was in my apartment and I found myself holding a knife in my hand, thinking about hurting myself. And in that moment, what I said to myself, because this is what's key is what, what do we say to ourselves in the moments where we feel like giving up? And so, so to start to think about that, what do we say to ourselves? Because what we say to ourselves is the difference between us picking option A or picking option B. Mm-hmm. So what I said to myself was, I don't want that to be into my story. And the final chapter has not been written yet. Mm-hmm. The second scenario was I was going through post-Olympic depression in the emergency emergency psychiatric ward at St. Joseph's hospital and waited two and a half hours to see a doctor. And as I'm waiting, I seen another young boy in the waiting room. He had fresh razor blade cuts all over his forearms. We go into the doctor's psych rooms less than five minutes later, he freaks out, kicks the door open punches the hand sanitizer off the wall, freaks out, security's called. And in that moment, it wasn't something that I said to myself, but it was something that I experienced because what I experienced in that moment was that I realized I'm not, I knew what I did to get myself into that situation because I could retrace my steps back to the difference from when I was performing at my best just six months prior as a Paralympian to six months later being in the emergency psychiatric ward. Mm-hmm. And so the tool that I wanna share with the listeners here is what I call, instead of, we, when we find ourselves spiraling down is to spiral up. Mm-hmm. And so if you were to grab a piece of paper and just draw a spiral, like a tornado looking spiral, that's big at top and small at the bottom, mm-hmm is that I challenge each of us to retrace our steps and think about deliberately what were the things that we that used to work well that we stopped doing that sent us into a downward spiral. And so the top of the spiral where it's large and wider, it might first be things like we stopped eating right, we stopped sleeping, we stopped exercising, we stopped having some goals, we had no vision for our future, we picked up some bad habits. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves into a negative downward spiral. And so what I experienced in both scenarios here is that for me to reverse my depression, for me to get myself back on track is I started thinking to myself, how could I retrace my steps and focus on what I can control and ask myself, what is the next right step? Mm-hmm. And so it's simple. It doesn't need to be anything drastic. When we think about turning depression around and focusing on what we can control, if we were to look at reversing that downward spiral and things like nutrition, sleep, exercise, vision, goals, habits, all the tools inside the resilience toolbox, Mm -hmm. if we wanted to reverse those scenarios, it doesn't mean that we're gonna start a ridiculous workout regimen again and become an athlete overnight. Mm -hmm. It might mean for you, just focus on getting outside for 10 minutes for some fresh air to go for a walk. Mm -hmm. That alone can be a win for that entire day. Mm -hmm. It might also mean eating three meals a day. Don't even worry about 
the meals being the best, when you're depressed, often it can mean that you're skipping meals or that you're only eating one meal a day. Or if you're eating junk meal three times a day, can you eat one healthy meal a day? Mm-hmm. That one simple step can be this, the next right step for you to start to spiral up, not down. Mm-hmm. And so I challenge each of us to always think about how can we retrace our steps? What did we stop doing that was working that we can focus on? Sleep, exercise, sorry, nutrition, exercise, sleep, maybe it's hitting the lights, going to bed 30 minutes earlier, not being on your phone at night. Maybe it's setting some goals. Maybe your goal is step outside for 10 minutes every single day. I, I worked with a, a, a young teenager once where she was uh, struggling in school and she was depressed inside her house all the time and she didn't have the energy to go for a walk. I'm like, just get outside. And she's like, I don't even know if I can do that for 10 minutes. I'm like, just sit on your porch. Mm-hmm. Just sit on your porch. If you can just do that, you'll be one step closer because you'll be outside of your house versus inside of your house. Mm-hmm. And then what sure enough happened is she's like, well, you know what? After like day two, I'm outside. I might as well go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the hero mindset in my keynote is about focusing on small things that make a big difference to become a hero in our own movie. Mm -hmm. And it's something just as simple as putting on your running shoes, even if you don't even get up for that walk, just stepping outside your house. And that's the next right step for you to become a hero in your own movie. Yeah, that's that's insane. And I mean, even like just all of that is, like I just relate to that so much. And by that, I mean, like I've been there where it's like, it feels, the hardest task ever just to pull myself outside of my house and just get outside or just even just the smallest little daily tasks and feel like you're climbing a mountain. And I think that's so important is just to, to take all those like little steps. And I think that everyone or not everyone, but a lot of people, when they're thinking about how to get themselves better, they're always thinking about their end goal and they're thinking about how they can jump from where they are to where, That is without doing all the little steps, but in reality, like you said, in order to be kind of like the hero in your own movie, you have to follow all the right steps. And sometimes it is just that, like you're creating little goals, which will obviously help you reach that end goal, which is, that's the main goal. And, um, but I kind of want to touch on, like you said, um, and all this speaking that you do and about your initiative and Um, I mean, I've watched a couple little things on it and obviously educated myself a little bit on the things that you do, but what is it like actually going from place to place and sharing not only your story, but obviously sharing a lot of your experiences with others and knowing how it actually is going to kind of, in a sense, change their life? Like, what is that like as a person? Yeah, great question. Uh, For me at the beginning, Truthfully, I just started out, first of all, I got into public speaking just by accident. I was at family counseling after my dad passed away when I got asked to share my story at a spinal cord injury event. And I said, sure, no problem. And I did it once, they liked it. I got asked to do it again. And 11, 10, 11 years later, here it is my full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, so like when I started, it was just purely to help people. Um, when I got asked to do it more, 
I saw it as an opportunity living with a disability to earn an income that gives me the flexibility to live life on my own terms. And back to the motocross um, business that I started, like entrepreneurship's kind of always been something that I've wanted to pursue for the freedom. Um, I got lost along the way, Some, like after the Paralympics, um, looking to hit the stage for the wrong reasons, which was more about ego and self-fulfillment than it was to like help people is the honest truth. And I like to share the honest truth for people to gain perspective and see I'm just like a, a normal human that I get screwed up to. <laughs> and, um, but what I would say, you know, what really stands out for me is how much I personally have enjoyed the virtual world in COVID because traveling fatigues me, like it exhausts me. Um, ever since my spinal cord injury, I've not enjoyed being on long drives. I don't enjoy flying a lot. Uh, so what I really enjoy is that I love technology. I love presenting through Zoom. I do love the camera. And what's been really fun is that the pandemic has given me an opportunity to become a better speaker, speak more often and reach more people than I ever would have pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's given me an opportunity to connect more often, to test more strategies, to develop my content faster. Um, the pandemic has created everything that I, not everything, but over 50%, maybe 70% or more in my presentations now, like pre-pandemic, I had the Hero Mindset keynote, but it was just a storytelling. Like now I've got tools in the keynote and I've got tools in the resilience toolbox. And so the joy, back to your question, that I love so much is that I get to, it's the virtual world has given me an opportunity and a platform to accelerate further developing my skills, teach more and help more and share more about what worked for me and then see people apply it immediately because they need the help now more than ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I know even for myself, it's one of those things too is, I know that if the whole pandemic wasn't going on, I probably wouldn't be having as many opportunities like this to have Zoom calls and talk to all these people because everyone, like what I find nowadays is it's almost a lot easier to get in contact with a lot of people because most people are still at home or if they're like for my audience or even just the people that I have on typically is like teenagers or like early 20s. Like that seems to be where for the most part, it's been around. So for them, a lot of them are in school. So they're always at home. So it's, it's never hard to kind of get in contact with them. And even for the people that are listening, it's never, I guess it reaches a lot more people because they are home and they're not out doing a million things and seeing their friends every single day or um, spending time with their family on road trips and different vacations. They're, a lot of people are home. A lot of people are looking for something to do and a lot of people are finding themselves in these slumps where they're trying to kind of find different resources that'll get them out of those slumps and better themselves or at least resonate with some people that are going through similar things or have encountered something in their life and just trying to find all these different ways and I think definitely this pandemic is kind of it's helped 
spread my platform. And obviously, like you said, it's, it's helped yours as well. And it's helped you reach a lot more people. And I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it is, and I think that's why the both of us are doing it and why you've been doing it for so long is because it's so beneficial for so many people. And, and it's really inspiring to see how you've kind of shaped a lot of people's lives. And I know that that's something where the more that I started digging into kind of your background, the more that I started getting inspired and I've, yeah, I don't know. It's something that obviously is a big passion of mine and speaking and telling my story and being okay with my story and just really kind of embracing who I am and what my past was and what now my future will hold is it's awesome. And I mean, that's the same, same for you. And that's why I was so excited to have you. Cause obviously you do, you have a, a very, very unique path or past story that a lot of people haven't experienced, but I think your story will easily, easily um, allow a lot of people to learn from it and pick up different tips and tools that you've kind of used along the way and just see how they can better themselves and which is amazing. But I do have just a definitely a couple little questions before we kind of wrap it up. And one of those is why after basically overcoming so many battles in your life, why did you feel the need to do the 75 hard? And that's something that you're, you're posting a lot about it right now, but I just, it was something that was a burning question with myself. Cause I think a lot of people it's all for like overcoming certain battles or overcoming themselves to some extent. And for you, I mean, you've overcame so many battles, you've kind of defied some of the odds. And I'm just, I'm curious, what was the reasoning behind that for yourself? Yeah, that's a cool question. Um, so again, to give the listeners context, for those that don't know, uh, the 75 hard challenge is a fitness, ch- fitness slash mental challenge created by Andy Frasilla, who's the founder of first form uh, supplement company in America. Mm-hmm. And the challenge consists of, a, um, six critical tasks every single day. Um, so you gotta do two workouts a day, 45 minutes each, and one must be outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, you gotta drink a gallon, take a progress picture every day, drink a gallon of water, uh, follow a diet and no cheat meals, no alcohol. And you got to do it for 75 days straight. Can never miss a day. Um, I seen and heard about this challenge for a long time. Piqued my interest. Definitely never had the desire to take on something that's so audaciously annoying and difficult. <laughs> um, I've somewhat alluded to it on Instagram. I'm super comfortable to acknowledge it, but it just wasn't the point of my posts back then Mm -hmm. and uh, I'll be writing a recap because this is my final week on Sunday I'll be completing my 75th day Mm -hmm. Um, first to to touch on and answer your question about why I started it is that the truth is uh, it was another low point in my life Um, I started the challenge if I remember right because I've started it twice and I'll get to that in a sec Um, I moved out of Toronto September 1st to Barrie, where I now live north of the city. And I spent the last five years in Toronto, um, had a roommate pretty for four out of the five years, pretty much. I had a roommate. Um, We split up because he was investing into a property. And uh, 
So I knew pre-COVID that I was going to be losing my roommate, that I, there was going to be a major shift in my life. Hmm. And anyway, so long story short, um, September rolls around. He's got a place to go. I don't. Do I stay in the city? I don't know. Nothing was exciting me. And I settled on Barry. And when I moved here, the first month was great because I was busy with the move and adjust and like just getting the house set up. And then as soon as 30 days was up, pretty much, there wasn't anything else for me to do. And all of a sudden, I started to struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to struggle, um, especially with loneliness. It was the first time that I struggled in the pandemic, like from March until October, I didn't really have major issues with the isolation because to me, isolation is almost just like full-time entrepreneurship. It's like, mm-hmm. we already have uncertain income. We already work from and live from home every single day. And we already are trying to figure out how to build a business or succeed or motivate ourselves every single day. So it was difficult for me and I was starting to get to a pretty low point again. And one of the, one of our biggest challenges globally in this pandemic with isolation is lack of routine. Mm -hmm. And so when I was thinking about, I was on the fence again, seeing the 75 hour challenge, do I want to do it? Do I not? Is that I saw it as an opportunity to instill some form of control and some normalcy in form of a routine in my life to help get me out of bed in the morning, to be accountable to some one or something other than myself to help just deal with depression, with just dealing with some shitty times again. Mm -hmm. And so that was the catalyst for me starting the 75 hard challenge back in the fall. And I started the first time and did 20 days before I caved, not caved in the sense that I gave up, but living with my spinal cord injury physically, I was just like killing myself because I was doing 90 minute workouts in the morning. I was all motivated getting it going. And then all of a sudden I hit a wall. My body has all kinds of things that I still deal with Mm -hmm. and I had to call it quits. And I know it was just a poke and fun at comment, but I had a buddy at the gym um, say to me, he's like, oh, you're teaching the resilience toolbox, but you can't even fit this just 75 hard challenge, eh? Like, are you resilient? (laughs) And I know that it was just poking fun, but um, it still stung. And so I said, fuck this. Uh, I'm starting over again. And I waited only two days before I restarted the challenge. Mm -hmm. And uh, so technically I've been going, I'm on day 70. So I've done 90 out of 92 days. Wow. And, uh, And I'm super excited to be done. So, because I don't want to be doing two workouts a day, two workouts a day without a training purpose for like a fitness competition or sport to me seems insanely ridiculous. Um, But here's the, but the short takeaways that I'll share with you are that as the challenge is, is designed to be, is that it's more about a mental toughness challenge than it is about a fitness challenge. Mm -hmm. I've achieved, um, some very noticeable changes in my physique, but mentally the biggest benefit has has forced me to get outside of my house every single day for those 90 out of 92 days 
mentally disconnecting from the computer, mentally stepping outside of your house, going for a walk, calling a friend, going for a walk with a friend, getting fresh air, rain, snow, or sunshine is, has been by far one of the biggest um, benefits. And just teaching you discipline, like I said, giving you something to focus on outside of work, the routine, the schedule, something to talk about and learning more about yourself in your own habits, your own routines, where you make excuses for yourself. Like even my, for all that I've achieved, I've got my own vices and problems about where I make excuses. Like for me, that's, that's um, why I started the challenge and some of the, some of the benefits alone that I've achieved that go beyond fitness is that it was all for mental health more than it was for physical health. And uh, even though it's been difficult, it's, it's been worth it. And I've without question been better because of it. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I, I've been following your whole entire journey with it and I, uh, yeah, it got me, got me quite inspired. Now I I'm doing it right now, actually. And I'm, I think today's day 14 for myself, but he definitely like, I mean, I'm only 14 days in and you definitely can feel yourself getting into some of those, some of those mental battles. And I know one of my biggest things is my sleep aspect. I'm always been a terrible sleeper and now I'm starting to really clue in on how important and kind of detrimental it is for myself to, to follow an actual sleep schedule, to have the energy to do everything that I need to do in a day within work wise. And then also obviously physical wise and keeping my, keep myself sane. Cause I think that's one of the, one of the hardest parts with this is that you start to lose it a little bit and you can have a lot of self-doubt and a lot of kind of judgment, judgment towards yourself and towards the whole experience. But I think, um, I mean, I'm inspired by yours and I was laughing the other day, actually, when, when you, uh, cause I was talking to one of my friends actually about it and said that you were doing it and that you were already veering on to 70 days or whatnot. And this is your second time around trying it. And, um, I, I was talking to him and just basically said, I'm sure he thinks that it's kind of easy and it's just a routine now. And then your story, you were like, thank God, this is almost over. And I was like, Oh, what, what am I getting myself into? But, yeah, no, it's, it's been awesome seeing you like go through this journey. And then obviously, like I said, just having this conversation with you has been, uh, it's been spectacular. Oh, smart. I'd encourage you and anyone doing or thinking about doing the challenge to actually buy the book because the book really helped give me a lot more context about how to approach each challenge. Mm -hmm. And one piece of advice I would share is to be kind to yourself and give yourself permission to set goals that are realistic for you. Mm -hmm. So Andy himself says in the book, you know, for some of us, it might be going to the gym and crushing weights and that's just how we're built. And that's what our goal is. But for some of us, just going for a walk can be the workout. And for me, that's what it was. It's like my second outdoor workout of the day often is just going for a walk and living with a spinal cord injury. I get around, I am in extremely good shape. Mm -hmm. I'm extremely fit for, especially for having a spinal cord injury. But at the end of the day, I still have a spinal cord injury 
And going for a 45 minute walk every sucks for me. It's physically difficult. My legs with my spinal cord injury are not still built for this endurance. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. But when I reflect back on the whole experience and especially the 20 day mark on my first attempt where I had to quit and my second attempt, both near the 20 day mark and at the 40 to 45 day mark is that each of those three instances were examples where I was pushing myself too hard, often every time out of excitement. Mm -hmm. Um, And to remind ourselves, especially if you're doing the 75 day hard challenge is that it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And each day, just my advice is just do what you need. I, I now, how I've been able to survive the second attempt of 75 days is that knowing my body, knowing my limitations, that I do not do more than I need to. I do a 45 minute workout in my garage, in my gym with weights or whatever. I do 45 minutes and then I stop. I don't do an hour. I don't do an hour 15. When I do my outdoor walk, I do 45 minutes and I stop because I know that I'm going to be physically tired the next day. I know that I'm having, I have less time to recover. And just like you described with sleep, our muscles rebuild when we're resting. Mm -hmm. And in the 75 day hard challenge, if you are twice a day active, breaking down your body, you're, I should remember this and I keep forgetting which one's catabolic and anabolic state, but basically you're, you're so frequently putting your body into a um, zone basically where it's being torn down and your body needs the time and the space and the fuel to recover. And so if you want to recover quickly because you're in a fucking marathon here of two workouts a day, it requires you eating not just the right food, but one of my biggest challenges challenges was eating enough food because you're burning more calories. You're going to need to consume more food. So it's about eating enough food and good food, making sure you prioritize sleep because you're going to need your rest because you're going to be out there twice again the next day. And you got to do that 75 days in a row. So yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit more, a little bit more advice, I guess. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm, I mean, I'm writing it all down to get it all figured out because it's obviously definitely really beneficial to bring that into my journey with it and my marathon. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's been, it's been cool. And it's definitely, that's why I wanted to ask you is to see what the purpose was for you. Cause I think everyone's it's like life. Everyone's purpose is different and everyone will have a different background on why they want to do something in life. And it's the same with the 75 hard. Like everyone has either encountered different struggles or maybe they want to do it out of fun and out of just a testament to themselves. But it's basically what I wanted to ask you and see really what the main factor is for you and what you're kind of taking out of taking out of the whole experience. And I mean, 90 days in technically is that's a journey and that is uh, definitely a marathon. But I think those the next five days or I guess kind of technically six will obviously be 
it'll be an amazing feeling once you're all done. And yeah, that's, it's awesome. And um, just one last little question though, is what would kind of be your, your biggest advice for anyone, honestly, of, of any age that's kind of encountering any form of a mental health struggle or battle? Yeah, I'm going to pull up my book right here. Let everyone know if they want to check it out. Um, my advice is on the cover of my book. So my book, my autobiography is titled Still Standing. And the subtitle is when you have every reason to give up, keep going. Mm -hmm. When I think back to all the stuff I've been through, even the challenges that I'm facing today, and even things like the 75 hard challenge is that I've had the reasons to give up. My body hurts, spinal cord injury, it sucks. So many different things, you know, COVID, business. There's so many different things in life where we'll have reasons to give up. Um, Andy Frasilla in the book calls it your bitch voice. I don't call it the bitch voice, but just our conscious, our ego. Um, you know, my one piece of advice is that we all have our own challenges. Um, we're more alike than we are different. And we have to win the battle in our own mind. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like giving up, remind yourself that when you have every reason to give up, keep going because at the end of the day, suicide is not the answer to your problems, that there are solutions available out there if you are willing to reach out and ask for help. Mm -hmm. And by doing things such as that, you know, focusing on small things make a big difference. Like I said, diet, um, sleep, exercise, creating some goals, some simple things. By focusing on the small things that make a big difference, that each of us can become a hero in our own movie. That's spectacular. Yeah, and honestly, I think that's that's the perfect spot to kind of wrap it up. And I mean, I obviously can't thank you enough for for coming on, for taking the time out of your day to actually speak to me and to share your story and share basically a lot of your insights, what you have in, in today's day. And um, I, yeah, like I just kind of left me a bit speechless. I think it's always nice having conversations with anyone of basically of your caliber and um, anyone that has the experiences that you have and just you being on is it's been spectacular. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, you got it, Lucas. And uh, thanks for doing what you do, brother. Like, all of these conversations help and uh, you're a champion yourself, man. So thanks for uh, stepping up and sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, I'm sure we'll, we'll keep in contact and I'll, um, I'll definitely be applauding you at the end of your 75 days. So thanks brother. You're yeah. in Vancouver, right? Uh, Kelowna. Oh, right. Kelowna. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope that uh, maybe one day we get to meet, man. I've never been to Kelowna and I hope to be out there one day. 100%. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You got it, brother. I'll see you, man. see you later. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Struggle Create Strength. And I hope you enjoyed Kevin's story. If you want to reach out to me or come on the podcast, you're more than welcome to at Struggle Create Strength on both Instagram and Facebook. Or you can also reach me on my website at strugglecreatestrength.com. All podcasts are posted on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and additional posts or posts on Instagram as well. Be sure to share the platform and the episodes with all of your friends and family because you never know who may be struggling in silence. Thanks so much for listening and just remember that everyone has a story. Uno, dos,